welcome to Note Doctors. My name is Paul. My name is Jen. My name is Ben. And we are your hosts. We are all university music theory instructors who are passionate about music theory and music theory instruction. In this podcast, we will be talking about all things theory with some of the best music theory teachers in the country. If you want to know more about music theory and the most effective and innovative ways to teach it, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to our last episode of our first season of Note Doctors. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have made it. Not only have we made it to the end of our first season, but we have, for at least one out of the three of us, have made it to the end of our semesters, our our academic year 2020-2021. We are at the very end, and so we are just uh, very grateful. How does it feel, Ben? You're actually done. You're the only one that's officially done out of the three of us. Yeah, it feels good. I like to actually use the term done-done. One of my TAs refused to use the term done-done because it was either done or not done. But I actually, I I fully embrace the term done-done, and I am feeling very euphoric that I am done-done. Oh, that feels great. I'm looking forward to it. This is my finals week, so I have have just a few more exams to give and then then grading, and then, then we'll be done. How about you, Jen? We are in the last week of class, so I, I have three more days of class. And I told Theory 2 this morning, I said, we have entered the stage where everything is countdowns all the time. So I have three more teaching days. I have, you know, six finals to give. This morning when my alarm went off, I was like, I only have nine more 5.30 a.m. alarm moments. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we've reached the final countdown, I guess, quite literally. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've finished many of the, much of the grading. I just have, I have my sheet right here of all the things I have left to do. <laughs> and so with my red pen, but we, I thought we would kind of close out this, uh, this uh, season, I guess we didn't really know actually how many episodes we were going to do in all honesty. We didn't know how long this was going to last, how long we were really going to be able to keep it up. We we're just like, well, this is a fun idea. Let's just do it. And we ended up recording uh, 16 episodes from September through, uh, through today, which is the beginning of May. Um, basically every two weeks. And of course we did not make it this week because, you know, life finals, all these things, but mm-hmm. we've had a great time talking with a lot of different folks from all different, uh, types of universities, mostly from the United States. We had someone from Canada. So we're gonna have to change our little lead in from, you know, theory teachers from all over the country to like expand that to like the continent or like North America. <laughs> Um, and so, so it's been great. I mean, what have you found kind of inspirational or, or meaningful, uh, talking to all these different folks? It has been great. It has been great. I, to all these people out there who are listening to us, thank you. And (laughs) we are so grateful that, that you've been tuning in and this man, I think the challenge here is that every interview left me inspired and excited to go back to the, you know, back to the curriculum and look at it again, uh, to go back to the classroom and do my best work to, you know, just Mm -hmm. our guests were really great. They were so warm and open. They shared really incredible ideas and that inspired me every single time. Um, and I, like a true nerd, have listened also to every episode. And <laughs> after the fact, even though I lived it once, I went back and listened again. 
And um, but often much, much after the fact, because uh, my podcast queue is very long. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And so oftentimes it'd be months later and I would I would get inspired all over again, even though I'd already heard it once. Um, I know that I've done a lot. I've always tried to be intentional about what repertoire I put in front of my students, and I've been working hard to um, diversify the repertoire in my classroom for several years. But this year, I've done that at times 10 in comparison to previous years. And a lot of it was these conversations that made me be like, no, I'm going to stay at work another hour and find that example that works perfectly and is not just yet another Beethoven sonata. And there were lots of those too. But um, that that was one big kind of inspiration this year. And I don't know, for me this year, I needed a lot of inspiration. I, you know, it, it's been a crazy year and we're back face to face, which is on the one hand, really incredible, but on the other hand has had its a whole range of challenges that I've never had to face or think about before. And so having these conversations reminded me of all the things I really love about what I do and got me really excited about our curriculum and what we teach and the fact that it's going to be an ever, ever changing, ever growing work of a lifetime kind of thing to do, to do this work that we do. Yeah. Wow. I agree with all that. That was, <laughs> that was really well said, Jen. And yeah, thank you to everyone who is engaging with our podcast in, in lots of different ways and from lots of different places. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. I would say that for me, it's kind of this process of going back to the drawing board. Uh, Jen, you kind of said something similar, but I think it's really important that like the moment that you think you've kind of made it as a teacher is like (laughs) kind of the worst thing to Mm -hmm. ever happen to you Mm -hmm. because you want to keep going back to that fundamentals. You want to keep going back to um, what is it that we're teaching, you know, fundamentally answering that question, you know, um, a lot of our guests, you know, just if you look at all the threads that are kind of running through the motifs, I guess, of our podcast, you could say, you know, diversifying not only our, our repertory, but our the way our curriculum is structured and mm-hmm. the way we're teaching things even too is so important to just go back to that drawing board. And reinvent yourself, you know, like like Jen said, you know, you may have taught it 10 times, but let's hope that the 10th time is better than the first time. You know, we, we all hope that <laughs> yeah. that's true. And that's that's one thing that why we're here. That's why we're talking to each other. And so we're talking to, you know, um, all these colleagues um, across mm-hmm. the U.S. And, and Canada and hopefully more. And uh, to get that 10th lesson to be better, to get that 20th lesson to be even even better, even more artistic, even mm-hmm. more creative, even more engaging, all those kinds of things that we, we really just strive to do on a daily basis. Yeah, I've revisited a lot of the thoughts that we've had later on with my TFs and tried to share that with them and said, hey, let's try to do this as a project or, you know, let's try to do this. Um, as demonstrable skills, or let's try to do this particular thing as improvisation now instead of this, and just see what happens, you know, and just try and be be okay to try new things and fail, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. better, our Dean likes to say this, so I have to give John Richmond the shout, I guess, is that he says that um, if you want to be better, you have to be different. You know, if you keep doing what you're doing, 
it's not going to be better. You can guarantee that you're not going to be better if you keep doing the same thing over and over again. So you at least have to try, and you may miss the mark by a little bit, but I think through the efforting and the trying, you will eventually find find that mark, you know, and get get towards the target, which is which is great pedagogy. Yeah, I think we've seen that with so many of our guests. Uh, we're all kind of early career <laughs> faculty members, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so ish. to, yeah, ish, yeah. Uh, we like to think they're young. I think I'm the oldest of us, so yeah. you know, I, I'll but, take the ish, I'll own it. <laughs> but, you know, to talk to a Gary Karpinski or, you yeah. know, Elizabeth Westmarvin or Jenny Snodgrass, um, Blaise Ferrandino, these folks that have, you know, Gina Root, they've been, you know, teaching for years and years and, they're still asking questions, you know, mm-hmm. Gary Karpinski is still asking questions <laughs> yeah. about the best way of doing yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and so this idea that, yeah, the, that, that the goal is really for us to find this perfect model or to get to this place where we are, have got it is, is not healthy for one and, and not going to lead to good teaching. And so um, it's been great to kind of just to, hear these folks and that are more experienced and still have questions and are still trying things are still engaging and mm-hmm. still excited to teach fundamentals and asking to teach fundamentals <laughs> and those things because that kind of checks yourself because i know when you first start out you're like oh i'm teaching fundamentals you know you're like man i can't wait till i get to teach theory four or, you know an advanced theory class and then you talk to you know jenny snodgrass or gina root mm-hmm. and they're like fundamentals is the best and you're like oh maybe <laughs> maybe it is maybe maybe i need to check you know my my own bias yeah. uh, <laughs> and really think about, you know, is it, is it, um, is it my own attitude or, uh, that I have that is mm. kind of keeping me from, uh, engaging with this, this material. And, uh, and so, yeah. And I've loved learning about where these, uh, faculty came from. So many of them mm. had these different, ex- different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I think, only a couple were like, yeah, theory is what I wanted to do. You know, <laughs> you know, right. Richard Desenord was right. like, right. Yeah. When I was 12 or maybe it was younger, it was like <laughs> right. nine, I was going to be a fear festival. <laughs> like what? Um, yeah. but so many came into college, you know, thinking about, you know, music ed or, you know, they wanted to teach band or, you know, mm-hmm. um, Jenny Beavers, like didn't really, wasn't even into theory in undergrad. And then she's <laughs> like, well, let me find something. So I think that's exciting to think about uh, when we look at our mm-hmm. own students and think, well, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you don't know where these, these students are going to end up. And so you hope that you can be a mentor for them because uh, you don't know where they might end up in the future. So true. I, you know, I was thinking about it too, as we were looking back over the list of everyone that we've talked to and I've just been so amazed and grateful that everyone we've approached has said yes. Mm-hmm. You know, even yeah. if they've had to say later, they've all mm-hmm. said yes. And they've yeah. all been so willing to come on and share ideas. And um, that's been incredible, too. Yeah, because we were we're still nobodies, but we were really <laughs> we were really nobodies like a year ago. And yeah, so, no, we literally were like, let's make a list of people who are friends of ours who we can yes. talk to on this podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and then as the year went on, you know, it it ebbed out and, you know, there were yeah. more people, you know, I mean, I I had met Danny Jenkins, for example, like once, I think maybe at mm-hmm. AP just in passing. I mean, he yeah. he may have recognized my name, but also maybe not. And, uh, and now I'm eager to see him and have coffee the next time we're all at SMT. You know, it's been a great year of just meeting new colleagues from all over the place and lots of different 
institutions and yeah, um, yeah. I remember yeah. seeing that Betsy Marvin started following the Note Doctor's Facebook page and telling yeah. you all like, oh my gosh, <laughs> Betsy Marvin, she's following yes. us on Facebook. Do you think she would come on or come, come on? And she was great. And actually I had her come yeah. and talk to my theory four class because we use the Clendenny Marvin Yeah, and she answered questions and it was, it was great. And so they got to see, you know, a real, uh, theory, theory book, uh, author, co-author and, and talk with her. So it was great. Yeah. It's Very the, it, you, you know, you, you, we already know this because we've been to conferences and we, and we know how it works, but we oftentimes get this feeling of, um, these authors or um, these theorists, these scholars are, are somewhat, somehow different than kind of us, you know, but we all, you <laughs> right. know, everyone mows the lawn, you know, everyone has to do laundry, you know, so mm -hmm. <laughs> it's okay to reach <laughs> yep. out and, 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 and I think these folks are all excited about pedagogy and, yeah. um, and want to share that. And uh, I think this has been a great opportunity for that to, them to do that. Definitely. I've taken this a lot of what we've done and immediately like the next day in theory two or whatever been like, okay, now here is a thing we're going to talk about today. So <laughs> what, what have you guys applied in your, in your classrooms? What has gone from note, note doctors directly to uh, either zoom or a classroom of some kind? Um, well, I, I'll think, I think one was when uh, we had Blaze Ferrandino and he talked a lot about, how we confuse assessment with outcomes mm. and how uh, in his in his when he was talking he was talking about dictation and and is really getting a perfect dictation the main idea like you mm. know, to, and and really that's not that's um that's kind of the outcome but that's not really the assessment you know we're we're, we're assessing kind of how well they hear and their understanding of these more basic fundamentals and not focusing so much on like what well, did you really hear the difference between that half diminished uh fully mm -hmm. se diminished or half diminished seventh chord or fully diminished seventh chord uh <laughs> and like rather than kind of harping on those really nitty nitty gritty details like focusing more on like okay well let's listen for did you hear that leading tone function and these types of more general things that are going to be more useful to a student beyond just you know can i hear the difference between these two these two chords so um i think that has been something i've tried to think a lot more about when i'm teaching dictation and like you know what's mm -hmm. the main thing that i want the students to understand um and focusing on that rather than well let's you know let's listen to this chord one more time you hear that major third instead of that minor third above the fifth <laughs> you, know, you really hear that this time because i honestly don't really know how to teach that really like <laughs> other than you know right. just listen to it a lot but that's not the main point um listening for function listening for guide tones keeping dough these kinds of things um, and celebrating those successes mm -hmm. and I'm not sure how well I'm doing that in as far as the assessment because it's still it's hard to know how well a student hears without when they mm -hmm. get it wrong mm -hmm. right <laughs> we don't know if they're actually hearing it right but just making a mistake because we can't get into their brain um, yeah. but I think I am trying to think more about ways of trying to assess in a, in a, in a fair way that addresses um, getting things right or wrong, but also addressing, uh, like they're getting the main idea, right? Can you give partial credit mm -hmm. or can we, can we acknowledge that they are getting some things right rather than just it's right or wrong and that's it. So that's something that I have tried to take away, uh, from, from these podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for me, it's like the, uh, improvisation is the biggest thing. Improvisation mm -hmm. and short composition, like mm -hmm. that's something that's doable, I guess, 
in the middle of class with reflection mm. time or either I don't know somewhere somewhere some way I can see what they've done a little bit and reflect really quickly on what they've jotted down you know mm. even if it's three or four measures at a time um, whether it's a melody or changes or um, whatever it is um, and the improvisation aspect I mean I I'm completely changing um, RL skills one to include improvisation um, every single every single class because I think mm. it's that important and I've tried to challenge myself to improvise <laughs> every day it's been really hard um, I don't know if some of you know the youtuber that does a song a day I think he's done a song a day for thousands of days now <laughs> My God, but you can wow. follow this guy on YouTube um, Jonathan Mann I think his name is I hope I didn't get the name wrong but um, yeah it's difficult to improvise i mean maybe that goes without saying but when you truly try to make something different than you made the day before mm. it's yeah. it's tough because you i think for me first i just default to like this kind of set of idioms that i'm most oh, familiar yeah. with mm -hmm. like i think anyone would right. probably do that but then when you really try to challenge yourself to go beyond that and then listen to music you want to mm. listen to music that stretches yourself too it's kind mm -hmm. of like this cyclical process of okay i improvised like this today how can i now expand my kind of capacity to improvise better and i think the way you do that sometimes is just stretching your listening mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. your, your way of thinking about music creation which i'm like wow this is just such an engaging activity this yeah. has to be done every day you know and whether mm -hmm. you're whether you're completely new or whether you're really some people come, I think, as freshmen, especially to North Texas, with a lot of improvisation experience. Some people mm -hmm. come with none mm -hmm. whatsoever. And, you know, to give those people a chance to kind of do what they do, that's totally possible in, like, an RL Skills 1 class. You can mm -hmm. have somebody improvise something very basic. You can have somebody really go off and mm -hmm. improvise something more complex. And they can still be both getting a lot out of that activity in that same time period. So I just think it's just such a win-win. Um, mm -hmm. Going back to, of course, John Mortensen's um, mm. episode, super, super mm -hmm. inspiring. Mm -hmm. Also, so I would say, um, you're gonna I have them improvising started... Portamento. Is that what's right. gonna happen? <laughs> <laughs> strict, strict 18th century. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about, I don't know about that, but uh, some sort of improvisation. The way I've kind of envisioned it is like different styles. That like there are these kind of unit by unit um different stylistic improvisations um only one of which may be actually you know kind of euro centered i guess mm -hmm. i don't know it's something mm -hmm. in the works you know that i want to mm -hmm. expand on yeah that's something that i want to explore too because improvisation is not just jazz and i know like right. at, at north texas mm -hmm. like jazz and improv is, is is the same but you know improvisation is not you don't have to swing you don't exactly. have to right. you know, know how to read changes to improvise. Mm -hmm. And so we have a huge you know, music therapy department and being able to improvise play by ear is a, a you know, a huge part of uh, mm. doing music therapy. And so I'm actually in the works of redesigning theory four to be more uh, applicable for our music therapy faculty or music therapy mm. students. And so I'm also thinking about, okay, well, you know we're getting rid of we're getting rid of uh pitch class set theory and things like that and we're going to be doing mm -hmm. a lot more improvisation a lot more popular music and uh, probably doing like an another theory class that would get into you know more kind of atonal 
tonal stuff, um, which mm-hmm. I really jo- enjoy. But at the same time, these students need to have this improv skill. And yeah, and why wait till theory four? Get it in our right. skills one. You know, just get them singing mm-hmm. and playing. Mm-hmm. That's great. Definitely. So one of the things I, I, I mentioned this before we started was thinking about the diversity. And we've had, um, as, I, as I mentioned at the very beginning, we've had 16 episodes. We've had 14 uh, guests. And mm-hmm. I was putting together a little, our, our little logo with the, and normally I have the, our guests, their picture next to, the, next to the logo. And I thought I would make a, uh, uh, I'm trying to find it here so I can share it with you guys, but I'm probably not going to be able to do it in time here. Um, but I made a little montage with all of the, uh, all of them here. Okay, let me see if I can do this. I can share this with you so you can see it. And I, I noticed something really kind of interesting that we had, uh, we had you know, uh, male and female um, uh, guests, and mm-hmm. by and large, the the females were had just these headshots very kind of professionally done the male theorists a little bit more diverse some of them were kind of the headshots like yes you'd get at um at school um but others were like you know just these casual shots or maybe in the classroom or maybe even silly or just kind of looking away from the camera all Mm -hmm. of the women are looking straight at the camera Mm -hmm. um and i thought this is kind of interesting and these 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 photos were given to us um, so that, that, um, so it wasn't like we just scoured over the internet and found the most random picture. Um, this is these images that, that these, uh, our guests wanted, uh, to, uh, to have us use. And it was just so fascinating that there's this, like, I, and Jen, you, you, you can talk to us about this, but like, no. <laughs> there is this you know, need for, you know, um, female academics, I mean, maybe theory, or just, I think probably just all in academia of this, like making sure that they look as professional, um, mm-hmm. as possible. And there's these kind of stand, these, there are these standards, I think that we hold, um, uh, women faculty to that we don't mm-hmm. do for male. I think that's men. Yeah. I think that's definitely the case. And I just noticed that with these pictures and I was like, wow, that is just mm-hmm. kind of an interesting thing. And it's not just theory, but probably, probably across the board. And I'll, I'll find this picture so I can send it to you yeah. guys. It's really striking. Yeah. Yeah. It, it might be across the board, although I think music theory could have something to do with it in that, um, you know, our field is 75% basically male. Um, and so we are not just a minority, but big time a minority yeah. in this field as women. Um, I don't think that there is as much sort of latitude for us to or margin of error for us or something like that along the way. Um, there's a feeling of like how you present yourself has to be perfect, because if you make one mistake, it could ruin, you know, your opportunity to do what you've been working so hard to do. I think, you know, I mean, I think even as we've had these conversations, there have been times where um, I've been talked very frankly about something and then later thought, oh, should I, should I have said that? Or should I have, you know, 
um, and have done a lot of like after the fact wondering about uh, whether I had said too much or too little or mm. so I think and knowing too that um, you know that that people are listening to this and some of them know me and many of them maybe don't mm-hmm. um, and and uh, that definitely is something that has crossed my mind I know when we did Lee's uh, Lee's episode and we talked mm-hmm. about I, I mentioned that I had been mentored at one point um, not to write a pedagogy dissertation um, and said that I actually thought that that ultimately probably was good advice even though it's sad advice I think that the intention of it was good and that mm-hmm. that it it reflects something about our field which is that pedagogy at least at that time um, I was writing my dissertation, you know, finishing it. Uh, I finished it in 2014. So that's not that long ago. And mm-hmm. at that time, pedagogy was still something that people were saying it's dangerous. It's dangerous to go down that road, especially as a woman. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to yeah. you have to be taken seriously in order to get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, wow. yes, I think I think that that has something to do with it. And I think the fact that so let's say, for example, we were in music therapy. I don't know what the breakdown is there, but I'm going to guess that there are probably more women in music therapy than there are in music theory. I could be wrong, but um, I don't I actually don't know, um, but I would guess yes, um, simply because it is aligns more with helping professions. Mm-hmm. And, and in general, you know, helping professions are, are largely, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, female, uh, identify as female dominated for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in that world, maybe there's a little more latitude for people to show more of their individual self or their creativity or their, you know, or I think about my colleagues who are singers, for example, you know, there's Mm -hmm. like a lot of female singers. It's a a much more, there's women and men who, who do, who do that work. And so, you know, some of them have very traditional headshots and some of them have really, you know, unique to them sort of headshots. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, there's more space for that there. Yeah. And so, yeah, even, you know, I mean, I'm sure people have figured this out, but you guys are two very good friends of mine. I feel very comfortable with you. I'm never worried about saying something, you know, but that awareness that lots of people listen to this, that my Dean listens to this sometimes that, you know, (laughs) those kinds of things. Um, Or my colleague, my colleague at work who teaches theory Uh has mentioned several things about episodes to me and that's fantastic, Mm -hmm. but it gives me this sense of wanting to represent myself in the best possible way. And, um, and that being something that I'm sort of constantly editing for Mm -hmm. fear of doing it incorrectly. I mean, I know that's not just something that women struggle with, but I do think that being being a minority, um, being, you know, one of 25 when one of 75 are are men does make a difference. It does make Mm -hmm. a difference. Yeah, Yeah, I'd mentioned before uh, we got on the, the recording session that I saw a Facebook post about just academic dress and it was a female that posted it asking, you know, Mm. What do you wear to work as a professor question? And Mm -hmm. she noticed this trend at the end of her post that was like all of the older white males almost dressed down, you know, and then (laughs) all of the females felt like Mm -hmm. they were dressing up. And that was, you know, seemingly across fields, um, you know, a trend that was Mm -hmm. 
very striking. Like I said, right at the beginning, it's, it's very striking to think about that perception. And yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you want to talk about privilege, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. when I was like, on the job hunt, I was, I was obviously, I was often going to this website called the professor is in, um, mm -hmm. she's still around. She's, um, I, her name, first name's Karen. I can't remember her last name. Um, but she does stuff on Facebook and it was, she, um, she basically wrote about tips and, um, uh, things to help you on the job market. And those things were incredible, like how to write a CV, you know, cover letters, interviews, how to negotiate. And she's still, she, I think she works basically as a consultant these days, um, and doing that work. And I remember, and she was incredibly helpful for me, um, just because I, we don't usually get that type of information when you're in your doctoral program. <laughs> Shockingly, yeah. like, why, why doesn't anyone tell you how to do an interview? <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, well, just go get it and just do it. Um, but that was so helpful. But she spent their numerous posts on what to dress, like what to wear if you're a woman, you know, on mm -hmm. heels, on the type of coat, on the type mm -hmm. of handbag. And I'm like, this is that's crazy. All the things yeah. that yeah. you have to yeah. think about. It's like, if you're a dude, just wear a suit. All right. No mm -hmm. one's going to look, you know, but bad or good at you just wear a suit. And, you know, depending on how high your heels are or the color, you know, you got to wear mm -hmm. boots that or you got to wear, you got to think about the weather and, you know, don't wear open toed shoes and all like, don't mm -hmm. have a skirt that's too high. Cause someone might think, and like what, like so many things mm -hmm. that or even, woman, you know, I have female colleagues who went to interviews and had the great debate of, do I wear my wedding ring? Ah, oh, yeah. Man. Right. Yeah. Because someone might be thinking, well, you know, are you really going to stick around or, you know, mm -hmm. are you about, are you about to start a family and then you're going to be gone or right. are you, you know, mm -hmm. are you looking for a job for your spouse? Are you, it raises mm -hmm. all these questions. Yeah. And I don't know that I've ever heard a male colleague wonder if they should remove their ring at an interview. I've never heard it. I've never heard that either. And so, I mean, those are the, the privileges that right. a man has in, 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 in these type of, uh, this type of work. Yeah, totally. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, what, anyways, you know, what happens when you look at headshots and you're like, Oh, it's kind of, kind of interesting here. Um, but, uh, yeah. yeah. And so and that's something that, you know, we want to continue working on and being better with this podcast and bringing in more guests that are uh, from a diverse backgrounds, whether that's gender, whether that's ethnicity, nationality, race. Um, and we want to continue doing better with that for sure. Definitely. I, I had one more thought on gender diversity and this podcast, which is pedagogy focused. And that's that it's complicated for us because so many pedagogy scholars are women. And mm -hmm. so I think it's been good. I remember early on, um, maybe Blaze, maybe Blaze's episode, I feel like Paul, you said something in passing, like, it'll be good to have, like some male colleagues who are doing work in this area, <laughs> come on to the podcast. <laughs> I remember thinking like, yes, that's absolutely true. It's kind yeah. of a strange fact. But, mm -hmm. you know, the, a lot of textbook authors, a lot of, you know, the people who are researching and writing about mm -hmm. pedagogy topics, um, are still breaking down along gender lines. So yeah. having the two of you be interested in doing this and have these conversations and having, you know, male guests come on and be really excited about pedagogy is also important. <laughs> it's also important. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I'm just not the token white male. Ben and I aren't the tokens. <laughs> <laughs> We're not token to me. No, appreciate that. But I think uh, you're, I think you, you're right, Jen, in, in that um, going back to you know the your own dissertation experience and mm-hmm. and and pedagogy being this you know, unfortunately this field of that's for kind of feminine and maybe that's just along with the teaching again you know it's mm. this you know if you're going to teach you know you're going to be um you know a female but then you know if you're going to be an administration it's like you know with with public education you know ben your wife is you know doing is a public educator mm-hmm. yep. my wife's a public educator you know most of the public educators are female yet when you get into the administrative ranks all these men show up like what's up with that oh, right? yeah, everything changes yeah <laughs> doesn't match yeah. up whatsoever to the no, people who no. are in the classroom in the <laughs> trenches we might say yeah yeah and so we've had we've had a great time um i've this has been mm-hmm. a, a a wonderful one of the few wonderful things about 2020 <laughs> 2021 um, has been able to do this podcast yeah. and and just to echo Ben, I really appreciate all the people who've listened and um, surprised how many people have listened. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, uh, Jen, you you in the spirit of uh, of the podcast, you actually have a rapid fire question for us. <laughs> I we do. really don't know what this is, by the way. Yeah, we actually don't know. So, <laughs> no, they really I to, don't. I need I to come up with one too. Oh man! All right. So lay us lay it on us, Jen. All right. So here we go. What are you changing in your curriculum, Fall Twenty One? Oh well, I mean, I already said my Theory Four class. Right, I know. As we were talking, I was like, "Said it." They're ruining my rapid fire improvisation thing too. That was my thing. Well, I can add one thing. Okay. I, I actually started a thread with, with Richard Desenhord after our after mm. our conversation because I was really intrigued by one thing he said about the Avengers theme where it starts in a minor key and then borrows from major. I feel like I totally focus way more on borrowing from minor in a major key, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I, I've got these examples from Legend of Zelda and all these games and media themes in Disney and, you know, but, like, I think nine, 80 90 percent of them are, you know, starting in major mm-hmm. key and then borrowing mm-hmm. from minor. Yeah. yeah. And he brought up a, such a great point. So I, I kind of went searching and I I found more of these opposites um, of what I I might try to call like this kind of heroic modal mixture where you mm-hmm. start in a minor key and you get like this big major four chord yeah. and mm-hmm. I think it's a John Williams thing for sure. Like it happens in Ray's theme. Um, May the mm-hmm. Force Be With You, Avengers theme, and Koji Kondo does it. Um, that also in happens in, um, uh, I heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> I heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> one Another one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm going to try to get a better balance of modal mixture, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. borrowing from major, um, in addition, inspired by, by Richard, yeah. I, will, I will say. Beyond I the actually, Picardy Third. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I have, yeah. That's Which a good I title. Don't even Beyond count. the Picardy Third. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even count the Picardy Third because it's from like pre-tonality. So why are we including that? <laughs> Modal Mag never understood that. But no, I actually this year completely changed the way that I taught modal mixture because I teach it a very particular way in jazz. Okay. And I had this epiphany moment one day in jazz theory this semester where I was like, why don't I teach it like this in my other classes? It's 
it's much better, you know? So I have this, yeah. basically, I talk through the ways that modal mixture happens rather than being like, you can borrow any chord from minor. I have like a list of the ways that it happens. And one of them is in the predominant area in minor, borrowing law from major. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, the more that I've kind of taught the jazz class, the more I've found modal mixture has very specific ways that it happens. We tend to teach it as though, oh, just no matter what, you're stealing from the, uh, you know, the parallel key, mm -hmm. you're right. bringing it in, you're using it. But it's actually, it's very particular. It's either like as a predominant or it's part of a plagal motion at the end of something, or it's mm -hmm. the it's like flat right. medians oftentimes together, or it's yeah. a deceptive resolution to a flat six. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a number of a number of things like that. It's major four turns to minor four. That is like the most common one mm -hmm. in popular music. It's a descending <laughs> chromatic baseline, right? So oh, I teach them these ways, and then they learn to write them out, and they're so much better at recognizing them. So I actually I actually did it. I taught it that way in theory too, and right away they were like, oh, well that's the play goal. Oh, well, that's four turning to minor four. You know, I mean, like they got really fast at it. And I was like, I don't know why I wasn't doing this this way the whole time. I'm not even borrowing from somebody else. I'm not using my <laughs> own good pedagogy in my other classes. <laughs> so, well, that's you know. great. It's because it's putting it in the context. Like right. it's, it's connecting right. the horizontal and the vertical. And it's not just these individual chords, just middle. Of right. This, it, that's also helps you avoid getting those weird flat seven chords. Like that oh, I teach that there. one. That one's actually really common, <laughs> but it's always it's always around four. So you get four yep. flat seven, seven, one. It's a it's a five substitute and it uh -huh. happens all the time in popular music. Um, I just say we're in and I taught that one. Yeah. And I, I, I aligned it with, I was like, this comes from, it's basically like moving into Mixolydian yeah. mode. So then we're making that tie back. But yeah, anyway, that's modal good. mixture. What do you know? There's yeah. also that old, um, Ben, here's another example for you. That old uh, like rap version of Summertime that came out like maybe 10 years ago. It starts out with minor one, major four. Really? Okay. I'm pretty wow. sure. Yeah. All right, legit. There you go. So there you go. There's another one. The phone. Jen with your old school hip hop. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, let's see. Did I have a? Do I have a rapid fire? Do I have a rapid fire question. Um, let me think. Okay, I, I think I have one. All right. Okay. Is there a genre or style of music that you want to dig into more of, like? Is there something that uh, you're, you're, you're going to use maybe the summertime to explore? Maybe it's something that your students are into, or maybe it's just something that for your own research or for you know, just your own uh, edification, a music a style, an artist, something that you're going to like, I, I want to I dig into that more. I already know my answer. Do you know, Jen? Do you want to go? I do, but you can go. Oh, Steel Pan for me. Lord Kitch. Oh. Uh, oh. Lord Kitchener Roberts. Um, yeah, my goodness. What a, what an art, really. Uh -huh. I've just gotten into it a little bit. I, well, maybe you know this. Maybe a guest know this or not. I don't know. I grew up in Baltimore, and a lot of the public schools there have steel bands. Um, hmm. So some of my good friends back in Baltimore, they play in steel bands, and... Um, such a great art, uh, obviously born in Trinidad, 
and um, a lot of great, great artists, I feel like, um, are not known to any of our students, <laughs> I would mm-hmm. say. Um, I've introduced Lord Kitch to a lot of my students in office hour, which have been one-on-one, really distance and masked, of course. But I've introduced Lord Kitch to a lot of my students, and, you know, they really love it. They're like, well, this is a great tune, you know? And mm-hmm. it kind of works in also, you know, improvisation, um, tune changes. There's just so much to it, you know? And the, the scores are not... Um, there are a lot of arrangements. The scores are not easy to get, but um, Mark Ford, my colleague, has graciously allowed me to look at some of his stuff so I don't have to do a, my ears will not be uh, smoking so much um, from work <laughs> but um, only a little bit maybe um, but I do have to figure out what tunes to really dig into but yeah for me it's steel pan um, for sure um, no question that's cool Excellent. that's very exciting yeah. um, so I have I have two actually um, because I teach jazz theory I've slowly across several years analyzed like quite a bit of the real book um, so that I can take examples to them of things that that happen often harmonically in jazz and of different kinds of substitutions, um, chromatic lines, things like that. And so I am looking forward to this summer, like really digging in my the goal I set. We'll see if it will happen, because you know how summers go. You're like, I'm going to do 100 things. And at the end of the summer, you're like, I really did those two things. But (laughs) I I am hoping to um, analyze literally all of real book one and I have enough of it already done. Um, and then sort of categorize things, um, make a, an index of sorts and it could even lead to a research project. I think that, Mm -hmm. um, jazz is understudied and studied in sort of strange ways at conferences. I've seen interesting, like Schenker graphs of improv (laughs) solos. I mean, Hey, that's cool. Um, but like, you know, the charts are often the starting point for a lot of this. And there's even some interesting stuff in um, like one of my students was talking to me about how this one particular kind of Latin jazz is really misunderstood by the real book. Um, So Mm -hmm. just looking for some of those conversations to be able to have in class. That's one thing. The other is I always ask my students at the beginning of every semester, what they're listening to right now. And then Mm -hmm. I go listen to it. Yeah. And, um, in my now theory two class, I had them in the fall for theory one as well. But in both cases, 90% of the students told me that the thing they listen to the most is musicals. So I, you know, I was like, okay, I need to get more of that rep into my classes. The students are connecting to that music. So I've ordered a bunch of like big anthologies of Mm. 2000s, you know, musicals. And I'm going to do a bunch of analysis and pull examples and find ones to put into into my classes. That's awesome. That's great. That is cool. Very cool. That's nice. Very cool. Well, good luck with that project. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me to report back in August. <laughs> or maybe do. I don't know. I'll let you know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, Ben, do you have a, do you have a uh, rapid fire? I would say maybe my rapid fire is what are you most looking forward to for next year for the fall? You know, Mm -hmm. what is your, what is something that you've really missed this year and you're really looking forward to getting back to? Singing in RL skills. We, you know, we're face to face. So, um, we haven't, but then you can't sing anything. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be weird. They've had to do all the singing online. So singing face to face in RL skills. Yeah, for sure. 
Yes, I I would anything anything face to face actually. Yes, I've been completely completely <laughs> the broader online, answer, completely yeah. synchronous, and uh, so so yeah, so anything I would even just take sitting in a room staring at each other. You know, I'll take that. I'll take that. You know, I'll I'll take asking a question and blank stares, getting blank stares rather than just getting you know blank zoom boxes you know and yeah. like you can unmute yourself or you know feel free to put it in the chat and so that's yeah. what i'm looking for just anything face to face because that's yeah and i had such a great theory three theory four group um mm -hmm. this past year and that's been one of my probably my biggest regrets is not having them in class because they actually were mm -hmm. pretty fun over zoom which is kind of hard to do mm -hmm. and i'm like man they would have been a great class to, to be inter to be able to interact with you know face to face so just should have anything. a gathering or something we might have a gathering starts. we might do, we might do a little gathering um, yeah. in the fall they actually did a little thank you thing like I don't know if you've seen like oh. people do like oh. that post things like so uh, not not to brag but so uh, <laughs> we had our last theory three or theory four class on Wednesday and someone the person who always puts something in the, the question in the chat puts the question is like i have a question on something you covered last week she puts it in the chat right as class begins so of course i'm like all right before we get going you know what, what was the question and she's like well this isn't really a question but we just wanted to you know thank you so they all like uh, turned their cameras on and had little thank you like signs and like oh so it's precious so sweet. and so Aww, sweet oh i so, love that i know Aww. so i felt like i actually may have made a difference this semester <laughs> students care <laughs> and faculty care <laughs> yes and so yeah we it's care true. too but um so that's yeah. what i'm looking forward to that's just awesome. seeing anyone's face I used to always go for a number, my number one ranking on Rate My Professor. I used to always try to go for humor to be my top. <laughs> do people still do that? Do and they then, still I don't know. Oh, they definitely do. Yeah. I, As I someone was who so advises students, they're like, no, I've already looked up all the Old Testament professors on Rate My Professor. <laughs> and I want this one. I'm like, oh, that's still a thing, huh? I don't read mine ever. So, I try yeah. to stay off of there, but years ago I did look and I used to try to get humor to be my top. And then it would always say caring. And then oh, that's a good that's a good one. Everyone then. would always say you should be so happy to have caring as your top. I said, yeah, I guess I guess I should. I guess I'll, I guess I'll settle for caring as my top. Oh, typical theorist, you're like, can't care. Caring, no way. There's no caring in theory. Well, I think we're about 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 wrapped up for the for this episode thank you so thank you again uh every one of our listeners we will be back this summer we're going to be uh posting some i don't know what we're calling them summer shorts yeah, short. summer, summer shorts i don't know um <laughs> but we're we're planning on making just some small video or small podcast episodes where we talk about just strategies for teaching um basic concepts um maybe we'll call come together and have some ideas for maybe you know teaching borrowed chords or some kind of fundamental thing um, just to kind of give some ideas and again share ideas with you all and if you have any suggestions you can put something on our Facebook page and uh, we sometimes check that and <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll get a website I don't know we're, we're kind of just flying by the seat of our pants um, <laughs> and or, and some swag yeah. we've thought about note totes mm -hmm. note Note, tote note bags, totes. note totes. <laughs> so if you think that's a good idea, 
please put that in our on our Facebook page that you want a note tote note doctor's tote bag a note tote <laughs> <laughs> to put all your notes <sighs> all right well we will be back this summer with some other shorter episodes and then in the fall we will be back with season two with some uh, new guests and some exciting things coming up we have some exciting plans already in the works and i look forward to sharing those uh in the fall yeah it's been great yeah